Good morning, church family. Is that the cry of your heart this morning? Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and free. We're in 1 Thessalonians 5 this morning, and we'll squeeze the scripture that we recited together in these next few moments. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18. And these verses answer for us the question, what are Christians like? What are Christians like? How do you suppose our community, your neighbors, your, your unbelieving family members might answer that question? What, what are Christians like? Would they say, well, well, Christians are conservative. Christians are straight-laced, it seems. Christians are kind. Maybe they'd say that. Perhaps they'd say Christians are fearful these days. Or maybe they'd say, you know, Christians, they're, they're the ones who are angry at the world around them. And, and a bit self-protective because of this anger and this fear. What are, what are Christians like? Your demeanor, my demeanor, answers that question that the world has of us every day, with or without words, whether we're aware of it or not. God's own answer from Genesis to Revelation is inescapable. God's people are grateful people. God's people are grateful people. When? All the time. In all things. Gratitude permeated Eden before the fall. Think of this. When, when God uh, created all things, he, he declared all things that he had created to be good, in fact, very good, and creation declared God's glory and God's goodness right back to him, as it still does today. As you know, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. Adam and Eve joined in creation's praise. They walked with God. In fact, the first sin, in its most general sense, was that of ingratitude discontent with what God had ordained, prescribed for our first parents. They were created for praise, to thank God always, and it was so, and it was good, it was very good until sin entered human experience. You see, ingratitude is not a symptom of circumstances. Ingratitude is a symptom of sin. At the fall, the battle between ingratitude and thankfulness began. And, and, and what a battle this is, don't you think? Do, do you find sometimes that you battle 
for gratitude or maybe better put you battle against thanklessness the battle rages within you and it, and it rages within me but the scripture says it will not always be so it's not always going to be this way we go from genesis let's leapfrog over to revelation and we see that gratitude is actually the soundtrack of the saints made perfect in glory as they await the new heaven and the new earth. Thankfulness is the language of heaven. And all of God's perfected people will speak this language perfectly for all eternity. God's people will be thankful people. And so the question we wrestle with this morning in light of 1 Thessalonians 5 are, well, what, what are God's people like now? Or maybe better put, what are God's people meant to be like now? We were created to be grateful. We most certainly will be grateful for all eternity. And we're meant to be so now. We're being remade into people who are perpetually thankful to God. In everything. And, and so Paul says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Those of you who are wondering, well, what is God's will for my life? What, what does God want? What, what is his direction for me? Well, you see it right there. His will for you is to be grateful. God intends for his people to flavor his world with gratitude. And let me just acknowledge what some of you are already thinking. I can affirm your thoughts. We are taking a brief um, break from our study of the Sermon on the Mount. But, but I want to just encourage you that those red-letter words of our Savior are not far from us this morning. Um, the Christian's call to give thanks in everything is the, a natural outflow of Jesus declaring his disciples to be as salt and light. We live in a world that is dark with ingratitude, that, that, that is rotten with discontent, that is black as night in terms of humanity's thanklessness toward God. And it's gospel gratitude that slows the decay of discontent so common in our world. It stops the, the rot of entitlement and selfishness around us, let alone within us. You are the salt of the earth, says Jesus to his people. Season your relationships, your community, your homes, your workplaces with gratitude toward God. What are Christians like? They're grateful people. Gratitude shines gospel light into this world's darkness of unbelief. You, you are the light of the world, says Jesus to his people. Shine Gospel gratitude into the darkness of unbelief all around you. So we hear a loud echo of our Lord's call to be as salt and light right here in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. Gospel gratitude is both salt and light. So let's just look at the main text again. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, 
In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Notice, first of all, this is big crayon stuff. Notice, first of all, God commands gratitude from his people. Always. God commands gratitude from his people. This is not a suggestion. It's not an optional thing for God's people. In fact, to ignore this command is to disobey God. God does not commend gratitude to us. God commands gratitude from us. In fact, all of these commands in verses 16, 17, and 18 are present tense active, meaning they're ongoing virtues, disciplines that are, uh, by God's design, increasingly characterizing the lives of God's people. Let me ask you something. Is your life characterized by gratitude, thankfulness? God commands gratitude from you, Christian, and me as one of God's kids, always, always. And and, and it does beg a question, don't you think? If we were created for thankfulness, praise to God, and we were, um, if we always will be for all eternity, those who praise God, and we will, uh, why then must, must we be commanded to be thankful in the present? Why is that? Well, again, it, it's to do with our sin nature, isn't it? it? It's to do in particular with the sin of idolatry, the worship of self. Self-centeredness, unlike God-centeredness, kills gratitude. Men and women like us are not grateful by nature. Our default setting, apart from grace, is thanklessness. And so we battle, do we not? We battle the the self-idolatry of unmet expectations. People haven't met our expectations. God himself has not met our expectations. You know somebody who thinks that way sometimes. You're praying for her, aren't you? You're praying for him. Looks a lot like you. So we need this command, in everything give thanks, this reminder, because gratitude is not natural to me. It's not not natural to you. God's people must learn gratitude. Every once in a while, some of the precious little ones in our church during the week wander over to my office. They've put me in a corner on this far side of the building, if you ever wonder where I'm at. And um, they want to say hi, which means they want a piece of chocolate from my candy dish. And it's okay. And so they they get their candy. And um, mom or dad will dutifully say, um, what do you say? Did, did you say thank you? And parents, please know they did. They did. We have grateful kids here by God's grace and good parenting. But, but why do they have to be prompted that way? For the same reason we need to be prompted this way. In God's word. They're not born thankful. They must learn thankfulness. We must learn gratitude. 
And this continues into our adulthood, don't you think? Just try to picture whatever it is you've got planned on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, if, if, you're, if you're gathering with friends or family members, uh, any other human being, really, um, pay attention to the kinds of conversations that take place. Pay attention to the conversation you have with yourself. Try to imagine no one complaining about anything. I mean, what would the conversation be like if nobody at that table complained about the weather, their ailments, um, their jobs, the last election? Um, try to imagine no one complaining. No, nobody complains about their school, their taxes, their church, their spouse, their parents, any of that stuff. What else would be said, do you suppose? <laughs> or, or would it be just a, kind of a, a, an opportunity to enjoy quiet? <laughs> Who knows? Why can't you picture that? Why can't I picture that? Because not even on a holiday called Thanksgiving... Can most of us pull this off? Um, it's to do with the sin nature. The flesh, apart from the influence of grace, oozes discontent and ingratitude. And our fallen nature has very precise vision. It can always see what it does not like, what it does not want, long before it sees by faith the good things of God. Ingratitude, the scripture says, is actually the prevailing nature of those who are far from God. Romans 1, you know well, the unregenerate did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, that the, the darkness you and I are meant to shine into as kingdom people is the darkness of futile thinking, joyless ingratitude toward God who does all things well. My poor mother, um, when I was a kid, spent a tremendous amount of energy trying to convince me on Thanksgiving Day that I should be thankful for Brussels sprouts. <laughs> and... Um, Parents, please know that just putting baking on stuff wasn't legal then. Like, that wasn't a thing. And so um, you have a lot more tools now at, at, your, at your disposal. But um, my poor mother, you, you, Stevie, you should, just, you should just be thankful for those Brussels sprouts. There are, there are kids in China... It was always China, wasn't it? I don't know what the Chinese did to deserve all of our Brussels sprouts. And I, and I always figured um, somewhere in Beijing, there's a kid staring at his bok choy. And his mother is saying, hey, you know, the American kids, they have to eat Brussels sprouts. And... That's how international trade began millennia ago. The, those kids grew up and thought, hey, we got boats, they got boats, let's fix this thing, right? Um, I don't, what was I even talking about? Um, 
Is that, is that, listen, listen, is that, is that what God is doing in this text? You should just be thankful. Look at you in your ingratitude. You, you should just, just gut it out and be thankful. Well, that's, that's not what God is saying here at all. What, what has God done in his gospel? We've been singing about it. The God who commands gratitude creates gratitude in his people. This is not native to us. This is supernatural. This is a work of God in the gospel. God creates gratitude in his people constantly. And it begins, does it not, with the new birth, with, with the new heart, a, a gospel heart, if you will. He, he'd long promised to do this for his people. Listen, listen to Ezekiel 36. We know this well. I will give you a new heart, says God, and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. The new heart that God gives in salvation beats to the rhythm of God's own heart. We we have a new heart that loves the things of God because this new heart loves God. Do you love God? A heart that sees his handiwork everywhere and declares it good in fact very good this is God's work in the gospel and I I, I need to ask you friend turkeys and Brussels sprouts aside do you have a gospel heart has that work of God happened in you God has given his ungrateful people a king, a deliverer, Jesus. And, and the king has done everything necessary to free us from the hellish destiny of all of our ingratitude, all of our discontent, all of our selfish grumbling and complaining. Christ paid the penalty, the wrath of God for our eternity. Jesus paid that price for all of his grumbling, complaining people. And what is the king doing now? He's freeing us now from the thanklessness that characterized our bondage to sin, our bondage to self. And so this this command, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, is to do with our sanctification. Listen to the promise of our king specifically in Isaiah 61. This is the Lord's anointed. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. 
He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. We are the planting of the Lord, we who are believers in Christ, that he may be glorified. This is a bit of the Beatitudes in that promise in Isaiah. It's almost as if all of the scripture is connected. Do you ever get a sense of that? God's people mourn their sinfulness. And they're consoled in Christ. God's people are comforted by the King, the Savior, Jesus, who's come to save. To save us from our sins by his shed blood at Calvary. See, this Thanksgiving thing, friends, is a distinctly Christian virtue. Paul's not talking about being thankful for your turkey. I mean, go ahead and do that. Turkey's good or whatever it is. But listen, your dog is thankful for turkey. That's not what this is talking about at all. The garment of praise is now worn day by day. Instead of that old spirit of heaviness, what is that? The soul made heavy with its grumbling and its complaining and its discontent against God is changed in the gospel. And it's also yet being changed. Thankless hearts break against the rock of God's love and grace in salvation. Has this happened to you? Discontented hearts find full satisfaction in Christ when he claims them as his own. And then what does he do? The king begins to exert his rule in love over his people. What are Christians like? What are the king's people like? This salt and light business. They're grateful. They're thankful to God. You still listening? And so says Paul to the Thessalonians, rejoice always. Pray Without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Note the phrase, in Christ Jesus. That this command is given to those who are created, in fact, recreated, in Christ Jesus. Those who have received saving grace from God by faith in the merits of Christ for them. God not only commands gratitude from his people always, he creates gratitude in his people continually. And by the way, that is what Paul is getting at when he says, pray without ceasing. You know, to to, to believe upon Christ is to have received this grace of constant communion with God. To, to enjoy fellowship with him, to live uh, with, with mindfulness of him moment by moment. 
It's an ongoing mindfulness, reverence for God because of the graces in his gospel for you. You and I are meant to be preaching, thinking the gospel to ourselves without ceasing as we swim in this world, which is a cesspool of discontent and dissatisfaction and thanklessness. Therefore, if anything, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Christian, listen. One of, one of the old things that's passing away in your life is your ingratitude. Your, your discontentedness, your, your tendency to be thankless toward God or perhaps to grow bored with God's blessings. We've got a new outfit to wear, a garment of praise for the glory of God. You wearing your new clothes? What are Christians like? Now they're always mad at everybody. They isolate from everybody else. No, Christians are grateful. They're thankful people. But here's the thing. We don't get zapped with thankfulness, do we? The miracle of the new birth is a miracle in which true thankfulness toward God is born. And yet that thankfulness is meant to grow. This is a choice. This is a battle that rages within us, isn't it? We don't always want to wear the new garments. The old garments fit so well. And they're so comfortable. In fact, I've noticed that I find a lot more to talk about with my friends when I'm wearing the old garments of pointing out what's wrong with everything. Have you noticed that too? I mean, that's, that's a low, slow pitch, isn't it? Let's just point out all the stuff that's wrong in this fallen world. Turns out a lot of stuff. God who commands gratitude from his people always and creates gratitude in his people continually also completes gratitude in his people. And what what do I mean by that? Well, Paul's speaking here of sanctification. God completes gratitude in his people progressively. You are being transformed. I am being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. What, what, What is Jesus like? He's thankful to the Father. More on that in a moment. But, but there is a sense in which every day of your life, and mine too, is gratitude training day. Not just a day on the calendar, but every day of your life as a believer is a day in which you are being lovingly trained by God who has redeemed you at the cost of the death of his own son. God's training you toward gratitude. Do you realize that the objects of your grumbling and complaining right now are a textbook that you're meant to study in the light of the gospel, that you might grow in this grace of gratitude? And and the hope is what? That there is a day certain 
in which you will have had every last ounce of thanklessness squeezed out of you by the loving arms of God. For love's sake, God is killing off ingratitude in your life. So, so, so as we stare at these three commandments in 1 Thessalonians 5, just stare at your Bible for a moment. Um, you're all staring at me and it's awkward. Um, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God is not just telling us what to do. There, there is that. He's telling us what he's forming in us in real time. That's why this is a command to you. You're not meant to look around the room just now and think, man, I hope, I hope Harry's listening to this. It seems to me that he's, he's the most ungrateful person I've ever met. Now, this is to do with you. This is to do with, with my sanctification. No one else can do this for you. Nobody grows in gratitude by proxy. This ongoing, present tense, gospel gratitude is in the palette of good works you paint with now as a child of God. This is meant to be your, not only your disposition, but your vibe in the world. The, the, the fragrance of Christ that is left in the world. Notice that these three commands are inextricably linked. They go together. I mean, you can look at them separately, but they really go together. I've got food on my mind right now. So I'm thinking of like um, Neapolitan ice cream. You know that? Chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. You can take them separately, but they cease to be Neapolitan, right? Unless they're all together. Gospel gratitude here in these three verses is, is kind of like that. Verse 16, rejoice always. Especially poignant words when you consider who is writing them and to whom they're being written. I don't mean just you, but the Thessalonian believers in particular. The Apostle Paul knew by experience all manner of suffering. This command of God to his elect people is not disconnected from their reality on this earth. The Thessalonian believers were a suffering church. They're not all getting ready to sit down in front of a turkey. That's not what's happening here. This is a suffering group of brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul has already said to them, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. You are salt and light. As grateful people in the midst of profound suffering, listen, joy in the Lord and great adversity are not mutually exclusive. This is one of the paradoxes of the gospel. But one of the wonders, the miracles of the new birth. And Paul was learning the Thessalonian believers were learning what you and I are meant to be learning. Songs of praise often are sung in a minor key, aren't they? Laced with tears. 
joyful hearts are often nonetheless heavy in that sense. What a paradox of grace this is. And we're following this narrow way that has been carved out for us by our king. Think of Jesus thanking God through the pain of being rejected uh, by so many people who heard his teaching. The pure, powerful, refreshing word of God in the flesh repulsed some people. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. I mean, could, could, could we thank God while being rejected by the people in this world whose opinions everybody thinks matter? The influencers, the trendsetters, the, uh, the powerful, the, the consequential, I mean, the, the cool kids by human measure? Our king did. Jesus did because his father deemed it good that his son's bride would be sourced from the island of misfit toys. That, that's us, right? Praise God. Jesus knew all about songs of praise sung in a minor key. Think of um, perhaps Jesus thankfully breaking bread and offering to his first followers a cup. Knowing full well it represented his broken body, his shed blood on a Roman cross for the sins of his people. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do we realize, friends, in our bleak times, our sorrowful times, our heavy times, when, when words really are insufficient. God is training us into gratitude by giving us what he has ordained for his glory. And our ultimate benefit, Christ-likeness, not giving us simply what we want or what we expect from him. God is lovingly training us to love him, not what we hope he might do for us. Do you see the difference? Remember, ingratitude is not the result of circumstances. It's the result of sin. But let's just be encouraged this morning. The opposite is also true. Thankfulness is not the result of circumstances. You'll, you'll never suck gospel gratitude out of earthly circumstances. It's the fruit of salvation. And when salvation in all of its senses, all of its aspects is savored, thankfulness 
flows. That, that's really what verse 17 is all about. What is this pray without ceasing thing? Well, it's not talking about the moving of your lips by rote, you know. God is good. God is, you know, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our uh, Brussels sprouts. And then, and, then you're, and then you're just gutting it out, just willing that to be true. That's not what this is about at all. Pray without ceasing. Allow the Holy Spirit to elevate your heart. Godward. Not selfward, Godward. We're to live moment by moment, mindful of who we are in Christ. I've been chosen by God. He's shed his grace on me. The blood of Christ covers all my sin. The righteousness of my God and King Jesus, I am now clothed in that. I have a garment of praise to wear. No power of hell or scheme of man will ever pluck me from his hand. And one day I will see him, Jesus my King. I will see him as he is and I will be like him. What's he like? He's thankful. He's thankful to the Father. What a glorious future is just around the corner for God's chosen people. On our worst days, from, from human measure, in terms of outward circumstances, we're pilgrims on our way home, are we not? And we long for home even as we journey toward home and we're being upheld moment by moment by a gracious father who loves us enough to make us like his son, who loves us enough to do all that that work requires, whether in the moment we think we want that or not. This is God's will for us, says Paul. This is, this is God's will for all who are in Christ. And there you have the answer to what so many people, even within the church, are asking themselves. What, what is God's will? You know, we burn a lot of energy on this what is God's will for me business. It's not bad to do that as long as you go to the right source and have the right mindset. So we, we bounce from thing to thing and we're, we're trying to find the sweet spot of joy in what we're doing here in this earthly life. And don't misunderstand me. In God's economy, there's great joy in doing what he's given us to do. But here in First Thessalonians 5, God is just telling us straight up, before you think of doing something, even for me, I want you to be concerned about being something in me. Be grateful. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God for you. God is forming gospel gratitude in his people progressively. Think about this. These, um, you still with me? These Thessalonians were grieving the loss of some in their church family. We've been there. Some of you are grieving in advance, as it were. And we do well to grieve 
this kind of loss. It's the, the ugliness of sin's curse in humanity. It's right that we shed tears. And so here are these Thessalonian dear ones shedding tears, grieving the loss of some in their church family. Some of the saints in Thessalonica had had graduated, you would say. And, and there, was, there was great concern, understandable concern, that, that perhaps um, they would miss out on this whole King Jesus reigning on earth thing. They're gone. But God's truth meant that even in uh, the temporary separation of physical death, we can give thanks. Why? We, we do grieve, but we do not grieve as those who have no hope, Paul says. Death is an enemy, but it's a defeated enemy. In Christ, to die physically is to awaken in the presence of the king forever. Do you believe this? In Christ, all who die physically simply awaken to life in the presence of our king. And so when, when Jesus returns, and he is coming again, amen? When Jesus returns, if, let's just say, some of us remain, uh, until then, um, we will immediately receive resurrection bodies. And how many of you know, there will be no distinguishing who went first, or who, I mean, it will be completely not relevant. But it sure is now, isn't it, to so many of us? So when Paul says in verse 18, in everything give thanks, everything includes the very difficult realities of life in a fallen world. The, the, the uncertain things of life, the things that you and I have no pat answers for, though we might try. And Paul had learned the secret of living by faith in God's providence rather than living by sight of his earthly circumstances. Here's, here's a verse you know well, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. What is God's purpose? For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. There you go. He's chipping off all the stuff on you that doesn't look like Jesus that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. This is our home. This is our destination to, to be glorified as Christ is glorified. Some of you, I know, are familiar with a work called The Christian Incomplete, Incomplete Armor. Um, it's, um, it's one of these old dead guys, a, an English, um, an Anglican minister named William Gurnall. And in that work, he says this. He says, there, there is no act of God toward his people wherein he intends not their good and as such becomes the subject of their thanksgiving. This, this is a faith in God thing not reading my circumstances like tea leaves thing. So when I'm not thankful, and I am there sometimes, and, I, and I'm guessing I'm not the only one, 
But, but, but when I'm unthankful, it's because I don't want what God wants. That's not the spin I would put on it, but that's the truth of it. Maybe I want what God wants, but I don't want it God's way. How about that one? I want it the easier way. I, I, I want it my preferred way, the way I've always thought it would occur. But Christian, God loves us so much more than what we plan to do even for him, our own way. He loves us enough to see that our primary need is to be conformed to the image of his son. And he knows exactly what is required to form Christ in you. And that brings us back to this whole salt and light business. Let's let's end with that. And I really do mean it this time. Brings us back to salt and light. What God commands, he also creates in Christ. What God creates in Christ, he will complete. This is a progressive thing. And so so when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, he's saying, among other things, let gospel gratitude be the vibe you bring into your relationships. Let, Let gospel gratitude be the, the vibe you bring into our community. What, what, are the, what are the people of Hayden Bible Church like? Do you think that matters to God? Oh, they're grateful people. They're so thankful to the Lord who saved them. People who can grumble and complain and point out repeatedly that the little lights aren't twinkling as they ought to Um, these people are a dime a dozen. I know because I've been one. And I was always in good company when I was in that spot. And you know that by experience too. People perpetually downcast and, and discontent because others aren't meeting their expectations. God himself is not meeting their expectation. That's, that's the worldling. That's not the citizen of heaven. It's the chief attribute of alienation from God. Fight against that rot around you with gospel gratitude. You are the salt of the earth. Salt keeps stuff from getting more rotten. It preserves. You are the light of the world. We see the darkness of unbelieving thanklessness all around us. Don't despair. So much brighter will be the light of gospel gratitude. So this week, when our calendar even reminds us to be grateful, let's savor the gospel in all of our savoring. Let's savor the gospel. And remember as we do so, this is a rehearsal for eternity. There will never be a time, Christian, when praise to God for you is irrelevant. One day we'll all speak the same language in the new heaven and the new earth. And it's the language of praise to God. Listen to Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign 
on the earth. Hallelujah. The Puritan Thomas Watson puts it this way. He says, a godly man is a thankful man. Praise and thanksgiving is the work of heaven. And he begins that work here, which he shall always be doing in heaven. What is God's will for our lives now? What are Christians like? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you lovingly and faithfully declare the goodness of your gospel to us in your word. You're always reminding us, Lord, of who we are. We're yours. You're always reminding us, Lord, how that came to be. Nothing of our own doing, but all of yours. Deserving nothing. You've given us everything. And Lord, in this very brief life, you train us, Lord, away from the thanklessness that is ours by nature apart from you. And Lord, you've given us new hearts. You've given us a garment of praise to wear. Lord, not only for our own benefit, assurance, but Lord, that the world might see what it is to be in a glad and right relationship with you. Thank you for this, Lord. Teach us as your children to count our blessings. We ask this, Jesus, for your namesake. 